Hello, and welcome to Twin Talk. This is Angie, and I'm here with my sister, Joy. We are going to be talking about The Grey King by Susan Cooper. The Grey King is a contemporary children's fantasy novel that was published in 1975. It is the fourth of five books in her Arthurian uh, fantasy series called The Dark is Rising. Joy, I don't know if you knew this or not, but this series was written from 1965 to 1977. So it was written, the series was started before we were born. Um, yeah, I didn't realize it was so old. Yeah, it's, it's definitely older. Um, it, it incorporates British mythology, uh, such as legends and Welsh folk heroes. And the book is 208 pages. And if you listen to it on Audible, it is five hours and 40 minutes. Joy, you listen to it on Audible. Yeah, Uh I did not read the book. I listened to the book, and Mm -hmm. I wish I would have read it because I'm in the same boat as you are with reading The Last Green Valley. Mm -hmm. Um, It seems like every time I listened to the book, I was in a hurry or stressed, and my mind kept wandering. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I didn't get the full experience of the book. So I yeah. definitely want to try. When I get a chance, I'd like to read it. Now, you, I guess, have you've read it how many times? Uh, to be honest with you, this was only my second time to read it. Uh, okay, read so it. you've read it twice, but you also yeah. listened to it on Audible. Uh, so this, so the first time I read it was when uh, we were teenagers. Uh, matter of fact, I'm guessing I might have even only been like a preteen. I might have even been around 10, 12. I'm not sure. But this time around, I did read it and I listen to it but this is one of those books that you know we always have this discussion is it better to read it is it better to listen to it and in my opinion it's this book is better it's better to read it yeah um, I agree you would have had a better experience had you read the book but well anyway. and I, I wish I could have seen the words in print some of the names the place names yeah. and some of the characters names would have helped me too yeah and I'm gonna and I'm gonna kind of get into that a little bit about the the Welsh language. Oh my goodness! I was going to read just the names of the five books that are in the series, just in case you ever happen to see them anywhere. You'll kind of know they're part of the series. The first book she wrote was called Over Sea Under Stone. The Dark is Rising is the name of the second book, and then Green Witch, and then The Grey King, of course, which was number four, and then Silver on the Tree was number five. I did some research on it, and the series was, it's been widely recognized, and it received uh, many awards. Uh, However, it seems like this particular book, The Grey King, it seems to be, people consider it as one of the best books in the series, and it won numerous awards, including the annual uh, Newbery Medal, which recognizes Yeah, I have never, I think I can honestly say I've never read a book with the Newbery Medal, you know, award on the front, you know, that has that little stamp that I have not liked. They're always really good. For those who don't know, the Newbery Medal, it recognizes the year's most distinguished contribution to American children's literature. You mentioned the other day that you always associate this book with me. Um, yes, I do. Every time I, I see it on your shelf or think about it, I associate with you. But what is the story? How did you come across the book? How old were we? What's all the... Give me the deets. It's funny. We've we've probably talked about this many times during our podcast about how you have an amazing memory and I have, like, next to no memory. But this memory of me finding this book, it's it's very vivid. So, like, when Mom used to take us to the Fort Smith Public Library, we it would have been, what, late 70s, early 80s probably, 
it was pretty it was a pretty cool building. It was downtown off of near Garrison Avenue. It was three stories and but the kids' books were down in the basement. And Yeah, and I love going there. We love climbing the st- those big concrete stairs and Mm-hmm. Getting to go down into that children's area, yeah, those are some of my favorite memories too. Is her taking us to that yeah. big library downtown? My memories are exactly what you said. We'd go to the top and we'd look down because it was like spiraled all the way down, and you could look down from the top of the stairs and it looked like three stories down. It was kind of like your stomach turned because you're looking down. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of an open area, and the stairs just kind of went around the perimeter, so you could see all the way to the bottom. When we would get to the basement, I don't know if you remember, but there was also an elevator that would go down there. And I have this memory of always hearing it, ding, that soft ding, or whatever. And there was always this, this kind of a unique smell. <laughs> All those books. But when we walked in, it was truly like just entering a whole nother world because you see all these books and they had little places to sit. And I just, just vividly remember walking to the back of the library in the kids section and they had the gray king you know they, some of the books will have them kind of displayed instead of just on the shelf and it was displayed right. cover and it was a picture of just really i thought it was a wolf come to find out later it's a fox but uh it's a it's like to me it looked like a gray wolf and it was called the gray king well the cover and, and the title alone made me want to read the book and well, uh, it makes me think it was a new release like you said, the series yeah. was written 1965 to 1977. Probably yeah. when you got the book, it was considered like a new release. I know, and that's what's crazy. When you said that, I, I was thinking the same thing. And I've got the book right here beside me. I was just going to look real quickly to see 1975, which I know I was older than five, but still, it hadn't been around that yeah. long. Yeah, yeah, just know. a few years probably. So anyway, I did take it home, and even though it was a, it's kind of funny because now I'm not a big fan of fantasy, and I don't think you are either. It's very, very rarely that I like a fantasy book. I've read two or three that I like, but I just cannot seem to get into them. But this one I really did try because I knew it was one of your favorite childhood books. And this is another one of those books that I asked you to read something that I truly did not feel like it would have been your pick and I felt like you would have rather been reading it out of my comfort zone it wasn't a a joy book no Um, not really I wanted but you know I guess because it was special to me I wanted to discuss it on a podcast and and since you're in this with me you have to do it too (laughs) right right but it's what's funny is back then I really was I didn't realize it I just kind of dawned on me just recently as I was reading it I really was into fantasy back in those days. Like, if Harry Potter had have come out when we were teenagers, if I would have been reading all those Harry Potter books. Because I really did really? like them. Okay. Yeah, a lot of things I was really into back then, even though I'm not now. But anyway, I read the book, and I really liked it. And, and I wanted to read it again as an adult just to see if I still liked it. I want to read the summary of the book just so people get an idea what the book is about. There is a Welsh legend about a harp of gold hidden within a certain hill that will be found by a boy and a white dog with silver eyes, a dog that can see the wind. Will Stanton knew nothing of this when he came to Wales to recover from a severe illness. But when he met Bran, a strange boy who owned a white dog, he began to remember. For Will is the last born of the old ones, immortals dedicated to saving the world from the forces of evil, the dark. 
and it is Will's task to awake with the golden harp the six who must be roused from their long slumber in the Welsh hills to prepare for the last battle between the dark and the light. So, even if you're yeah, not very married. intriguing. <laughs> very, I love the strange boy who owned a white dog. Who doesn't love a story about a boy and their dog? Yeah, and I think the reason that this probably drew in so many people, like especially young readers, it's because it's it's about young people who who possess the power. Right. They're who are actually immortals and have been around since the beginning of time and it's just so this is it's just a really cool it's a really cool take on it. But but can you guess why I like the book? Well, I think it's because it was set in Wells. Yep. And because mm-hmm. you've got like a young boy and a dog. Mm-hmm. I think that's all it took right there to get you to read it. Yeah, absolutely. As a reminder, maybe some people listening don't know, but, you know, supposedly you and I have a lot of our ancestry dates back to Wells. Yeah, right. apparently we have a lot of Welsh blood in us. So the name of the the dog in this book is, is C-A-F-A-L-L, and I pronounce it Cashel. But when you listen to the audio book, it's nothing like that. I can't even right. yeah. It sounds nothing like that. But just for the sake of me and not knowing how to speak Welsh, I'm going to call him Cashel. The two main characters are Bran and Will Stanton. They're two young teenage boys who are, who are destined to fight for the light. One and one is an albino. He's a loner, and he was mysteriously abandoned by his mother as a baby. I'm like, well, you can't get much cooler than that, right? As a right. But I'm still a little, and maybe I wasn't paying attention. Did we ever find out why she abandoned him? Yeah, and I don't really want to do a spoiler alert, but the okay, because you can tell me when we get through with our podcast. Yeah. Beautiful woman with black hair and fair skin come out of the mountains. No one knew who she was or where she came from, but she was beautiful. She had this mysterious baby with her. She comes and stays with Bran's now father for a couple of days, and then she just disappears, leaving the baby with him. Toward the end of the book, it does tell who she was and why she had to leave him. Okay. If you read the book, you'll find that out. That's another thing that just reinforces that if I had read the book, I would remember this. But having listened to it and being distracted half the time, I can't remember that they said who she was. So, But basically, that's the reason I love the book is because of the setting and the character. So you got Bran and you got Will, the other two teenage boys. And you got the, um, oh, now it's your turn. There goes my dog. My husband's home. <laughs> but, um, so then the other one of the other characters that I love, he's the he's a it's a he's a corrupt and bitter old man named Caradog Pritchard. And I'm like, what a name, what a Welsh name, Caradog right. Pritchard. Hates everybody. I love it because they're they're always talking about sheepdogs. Of course, I have a border collie. And the sheepdogs in the in the book are good, but there's also these large gray foxes throughout the book who are bad. The Grey King is talking about he's the Lord of the Dark. I liked how she incorporated the history of Wales, and she used the landscape. You know how a lot of times we talk about landscape as part of the char- a character. Yes, it's huge in this book. It's, it's. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like it's like an integral part of the story. Like without the landscape, you wouldn't have this story at all. Um, but anyway, but the but I really love her writing. I just think. It's one of those books, once again, that even if you don't like fantasy, her writing is so good. It's very... It did seem pretty timeless, timeless meaning 
I can mm-hmm. read it now or in a thousand years or five hundred years ago, and it's just still going to not seem outdated. Yeah, I don't know how to explain it. It was just uh, right. that's the only word I can think of. Very timeless. She's very descriptive, but she's very concise. Like either she's just not real wordy, but she's very descriptive. And like I don't know how to explain it, but like she can just say something in a sentence, and you can see exactly what she's describing. It's like it's just so vivid. right. Like, when she describes something, it's like, I'm not trying to go, wait, and I can't picture that. I can picture exactly what she's describing. I just kind of like Laura Ingalls Wilder. She's just yeah. uh, very good at just being, uh, describing things in a simple uh, way that yeah. the reader can understand pretty quickly, yeah. I was just funny because I, like, I was just thinking, like, if I was an English teacher, just she just used is it adjectives <laughs> that describe? Like she just her all her adjectives, everything about her the parts of speech she used, they were all just just so perfectly chosen. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Uh, I'm almost afraid to ask you because you didn't have a very good experience while reading the book because you were stressed and you. It just wasn't the best time. Right, I was getting ready to go to Nicaragua and I was having to go get all these shots and. My yeah, passport, and I just it was just that, I, I mean, and there was a few other things going on. And how many great things do you give the book? <laughs> okay, so before I answer, yeah, <laughs> I'm only gonna give it. I'm gonna give it two and a half great kings, but okay. it's because I was distracted. I was stressed a lot of time when I was reading it. I felt like I was always in a hurry. I was trying to hurry and cram it in so we could do the podcast as soon as possible. I think yeah. if I sat down and read the book, I'd probably at least give it a three and a half to four, I would think. Oh. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to give it four, Grey King. And the only reason, like, if I, now if I like fantasy, I probably would have given it more. But yeah, because, and that's another thing I was going to say. Because I'm not crazy about the genre, it's hard for me to give a, a really, really high ranking on a genre I'm not crazy about. I'm surprised you only gave it a four. I thought this was one of your all-time favorite books. Well, at the time it was, but now that I'm 51, I've outgrown that genre. Like, even this time, Joy, like, when I was reading all the parts about the, the parts about all the magic and the fantasy, all that, I was like, okay, let's, I wanted to get back to the farm at Wells and, and the boys talking and the dad. I realized what I like about the book was her, her setting. I wanted to hear about the setting and the dogs and the families and the boys but when they actually got into the fantasy part i was like eh, yawn get up to get past that so i fantasy this is the book for you so i'm just going to give it four but so i'm going to read a passage and it's funny because i was i had marked like five or six different passages that i thought were really good um yeah and i one of the passages about how she was describing the landscape and the sheep and all that but instead i picked one of the passages that was actually more fantasy. <laughs> this will give our listeners a really, uh, a really good, clear picture of her writing style. So in this part, Bran and Will, on page one fifteen. So this is a little over halfway through the book. In this passage, they've gone into this. They're trying. They've, they're having to solve clues throughout the book. Okay, there's a riddle that Will has been given. A riddle. And all through the book, he's kind of solving this riddle, and they're they're finding landmarks, and those landmarks are helping them find things that they need that will help them find the golden harp, which is going to help them fight the dark. He put out a hand in front of him just in time to save himself from coming hard up, up against a blank wall of rock. 
There was no other stair ahead, only a stony dead end. What is it, said Bran behind. Wait a moment. An instruction was growing inside Will's memory like an echo from another world. Standing with his feet planted firmly on the last stair, he put the palms of both hands flat against the rough, unseen rock face, barring their way, and he pushed. At the same time, he said certain words in the old speech that came into his mind, and the rock parted silently, as it had when the great doors opened silently on Bird Rock, though no music sounded here. With Bran and Castle at his heels, Will stepped forward into a faint glow of light that caught him into such wonder that he could only see They were no longer where they had been. They stood somewhere in another time on the roof of the world. All around them was the open night sky, like a black inverted bowl, and it blazed the stars, thousands upon thousand brilliant prickles of fire. Will heard Bran draw in a quick breath. They stood looking up. The stars blazed around them. There was no sound anywhere in all the immensity of space. Will felt a wave of giddiness. It was as though he stood on the edge of the the last edge of the universe, and if they fell, they would fall out of time. And he gazed about him. Gradually, he recognized the strange inversion of reality in which they were held. He and Bran were not standing in a timeless dark night observing the stars in the heavens. It was the other way around. They themselves were observed. Every blazing point in that great deathless hemisphere of stars and suns was focused upon them, contemplating, considering, judging. For by following the quest for the golden harp, he and Bran were challenging the boundless, the boundless might of the high magic of the universe. They must stand unprotected before it on their way, and they would be allowed to pass only if they had the right by birth. Under that merciless starlight of infinity, any unrightful challenger would be brushed into nothingness nothingness as effortlessly as a man might brush an ant from his sleeve. So, okay, anyway. Angie? Yeah. I have a confession then. Okay. That was beautiful. Oh, I mean, that was a be- beautiful passage. I don't Good. remember that. <laughs> I do not remember that being in the book. I'm like asking myself, did I skip a chapter or two and don't even realize it? Because I don't remember what happened to the mother. I, I, that is the most beautiful passage, and I I know if I'd been paying attention, I would have remembered it. Oh, yeah, and what's funny, I didn't want to read, you know, you get to reading too much and you lose people's attention, but like that next couple of paragraphs after it are absolutely just beautiful. It's talking about the constellations and the, and the oh, southern. Oh, I'm sorry, I thought you were finished. No, I am. I'm just saying I didn't want to read oh, too much. That's just beautiful writing, and... I don't remember that passage at all. I'm so glad yeah. you read that. So that's just convinced me. I, I have just got to go back and read the book. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying. I tried to make this point in the past is that even if you don't like a genre, if it's good writing, it's still enjoyable. Wow. Like, that's just one of a few of her passages that's just really real well written and very pretty. So anyway, just in closing, I thought I would mention that, that Cooper is actually still alive. She is 87 years old. I thought you'd find this interesting. In 2017, Cooper gave the fifth annual Tolkien lecture at Pembroke College. She was talking in Oxford, speaking on the role of fantasy literature in contemporary society. So here she is, 87. Wow. And not even five. I wonder if we can find that on YouTube or something. I'd like to see that. You know, somebody Uh, probably recorded that. Yeah, and you know, I guess Tolkien, they're talking about, you know, he wrote, what, Lord of the Rings. And here she is speaking at a conference about the role of 
fantasy literature in our society today. So I thought that was kind of cool. So from England, did you already say this? No, no, I didn't. She, uh, yeah, she's actually was uh, born and raised in England, but then she moved to the United States, and I think she lived in the United States most of her adult life and enjoyed some. I know this probably don't seem like a big deal, but I thought it was interesting. She actually at one time was married to Jessica Tandy's widow. Okay. Oh, so Jessica, wow. She's the, the actress that played in Driving Miss Daisy. She was the old woman. Yeah. Okay, apparently when she died, her husband then married Susan Cooper. <laughs> oh, wow. No, that's anyway. a really interesting bit of trivia. Yeah, I just thought that was kind of some fun trivia to let you in on. So, anyway, that's all I had. And I just want to thank you for reading something that's not in your, you know, what's that saying, your wheelhouse, whatever. No, I mean, I don't want you to get me wrong. I enjoyed it. Um, I I just wish it had been, yeah, I'd had time to sit down and actually read it, which hopefully I will one day. I'm glad that, yeah, I'm glad I finally got to at least listen to it. Good. My only regret right now is that... So there's apparently there's a couple of different covers for it, and one of them is the one that I that I saw and rented uh, or checked out, rented whatever you call it, checked out at the library, <laughs> uh, and it had the big gray box on it, and I love that cover, and that's the book I want. But when I went on eBay, they didn't have that cover. That the one I have is the six like knights or whatever, like from King Arthur's time. All right. The- now, which one is it that you want? That you want? Uh, I want the one that has the the gray king the cover or the the gray fox on the cover. Oh right. But I have the one with the the knights riding in on their white horses right. water. But anyway, maybe someday I'll find that other one somewhere and I'll be I'll be able to get it. Okay. But do you have anything to say before we close? Or? No. Um, I'm glad I got to listen. I know I've said this a million times. I'm glad I got to listen to it. I can I can tell it's a good book. And like that passage you just read is beautiful. I just need to sit down and read it. Okay, cool. We're thinking about doing, talking about the book, Talk As Fast As I Can by Lauren Graham. I think we might be doing it, if not next time, at least in the near future. And we will see you next time on Twin Talk. Twin Talk.